0: The hardest people to reach for Christ are the religious ones. They think they're good. They're they're carrying their Bibles, they're quoting scripture, but there's no really depth of relationship. They're lukewarm.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast of Calvary Chapel Echo Park here in Los Angeles, California. We are a small fellowship of diverse believers who want to serve our Lord and do His will. You can find out more about our fellowship at ccechopark.com. Join us for a live stream on Sunday in the New Testament and Wednesday evenings in the Old Testament. Now, let's get into the Word of God in our weekly podcast. The teaching is from Pastor David Higa and will be the study of the revelation of Jesus Christ and the book of Revelation.
0: Revelation chapter 3 verse 14 says, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Verse 15, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth, because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Verse 21, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Verse 22, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. I'm going to read you some backdrop on Laodicea. And I don't know if you remember uh, the city in Pergamum, but there's going to be a lot of a lot of parallels okay so let me just read this straight from some commentaries Laodicea was an important wealthy city with a significant Jewish population you know actually one of the commentators say this it was the wealthiest city in Phrygia during Roman times and it was widely known for its banking establishments its medical schools and textile industry I want you to note that know the medical schools you know there's a reference about like this eye salve right that would heal their eyes but remember how jesus he just says that we read right you say that you can see but you're actually blind right and so you have this eye salve that can heal right the eyes right but you're actually blind he says come to me right to be able to see that's kind of the interesting thing and and notice it also says in um in this letter to about about being naked right you think you're clothed right but you're naked but it's known for textile industry right here in Laodicea. And so they knew a lot about these physical things, right? Uh, medicine and all that and, and the textile energy, but they were actually blind and they were actually naked, spiritually speaking, right? And so Jesus says what? I counsel you to buy from me gold, refined in the fire." verse 18. Okay, so you can see how physically they're very wealthy, physically they're very educated, physically they're very well-to-do, very self-dependent, but spiritually they're very, very what? Very wretched and poor, right? And that's the challenge, right? And I think there's so much application. You know, when we're doing well physically, oftentimes we're not doing well spiritually, right? We forget the spiritual, and so this is the warning. Now I want you to notice this. There's no commendations here. At least in Pergamum, there are some commendations, and Laodicea, there's no commendations. It's only rebuke. Like other cities in the region, it was the center or caesar of worship and the worship of the healing god, Asclepius. It's the god of medicine, the healing god, Asclepius. That's where we get the word scalpel from. Okay, it's very interesting, right? There was a famous temple of Asclepius in Laodicea, as was in Pergamum, okay? So there's a lot of similarities with a more famous medical school connected with the temple. Can you imagine? The medical school, kind of a new age, right? Temple, right? Was connected with with uh, the worship of Asclepius. Very interesting. Now it says, after an earthquake devastated the region in 60 AD, Laodicea refused imperial help in rebuilding the city, successfully relying on their own resources. They didn't need outside help. They didn't ask for it and they didn't want it. Quote, Laodicea was too rich to accept help from anyone. Tacitus, the Roman historian tells us, Laodicea arose from the ruins by the strength of her own resources and with no help from us, end quote. And that's from Barclay. So all that to say is you get the picture, right? They're very wealthy, very educated, knowledgeable, right? Everything's going good. And so they don't have a need for God. They can do everything themselves. I don't need help. But yet, they're very religious on the outside, religious-looking. Now, I want to kind of just draw your attention to another commentator. This is by Walvert, And he kind of summates this whole thing of why why they are lukewarm. They're lukewarm basically because they're depending on all these other things but not depending on the Lord. Basically their love has grown cold for the Lord and that's why they become lukewarm. And we're going to look at that word lukewarm. It literally means that to become lukewarm to the love. That's really what it means. Okay so Walvoord writes this he says it is apparent that there is some is something about the intermediate state of being lukewarm that is utterly obnoxious to God. Far more helpful is the state of one who has been untouched by the gospel and makes no pretense of putting his trust in Christ than the one who makes some profession, but by his life illustrates that he has not really honored the Christ whose gospel he has heard and professed. There is no one further from the truth in Christ than the one who makes an idle profession without real faith. The church at Laodicea constitutes a sad picture of much of the professing church in the world throughout the history of the Christian era and serves as an illustration of those who participate in the outer religious worship without inner reality. They're rich. Everything's for show. The religion is for show for people to see, but there's no real depth. Inner depth relationship. How many have outwardly conformed to requirements of the church without a true state of being born again into the family of God? How many church members are far from God, yet by their membership in the professing church have satisfied their own hearts and have been lulled into a sense of false security? In the history of the human race, no one has been harder to reach for Christ than the religionists. And Jesus says, Their lukewarmness is very detestable to me, okay? And so Walvoord, says, that's how it is. In the history of the human race, no one has been harder to reach for Christ than the religionist, the one who's quite satisfied with the measure of his devotion to God and with the items which to him represent religion. Far easier, Walvoord writes, to win are the harlots and publicans than the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Isn't that true? Jesus seemed to, he really did well with the harlots and the publicans, right? Actually, they're all his disciples, when you think about it. And the women that followed him to the tomb. But what about the scribes and the Pharisees? Not too many of them, right? These were the religious ones. He says, especially sad is the fact that in the church of Laodicea, the minister or angel, of the church is here described as the lukewarm. There's a parable that Jesus gives about this that really underscores this. Remember the parable about the publican and the Pharisee? Remember that parable? It's in Luke chapter 18. I want you to turn that. We're going to read that together. Luke chapter 18 verses 19 through 14. And the reason I want to read this is this is a real life example of what is being described to this church in Laodicea, right? There's a religious Pharisee. He claims, right, to have this kind of elite knowledge, this hidden knowledge, right? because he's a Pharisee, but then he's very legalistic, very legalistic kind of religious person, right? And so he sees somebody in need, right, he just kind of doesn't pay any attention, but this publican, right, he, he knows that he's wretched, right, and he just asks for forgiveness. You know, the religious Pharisee, he'll go on to say, I'm glad I'm not like this publican. But the publican says, hey, you know what? I need to be forgiven. And it gives you kind of the, the difference between somebody that may have their life kind of twisted up and backwards, but is, is able to repent and ask for forgiveness. But the religionist, right? The one who's, who's practicing, right? The outward of religion, right? There, there's no real relationship. That's what this uh, parable talks about. So let's read this together. Luke chapter 18. I want to pick up right at verse 9. Jesus, right? This is his parable. Now, Luke records, he says, Also he, Jesus, spoke this parable to some who trusted in what? In themselves, that they were righteous and despised us. This would probably be the Laodicean saints, right? They don't need any help. They're trusting in themselves. He says, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector, publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. Remember the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? It's the same type of guy that wouldn't help somebody, but it wasn't the the Samaritan that did. It's that same sense there, right? It says, I fast twice a week. This would be the Pharisee. I give tithes of all that I possess, and the tax collector standing out afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus says, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You know, when you read the account to the Laodicean church, they're lukewarm. They have a show of religion, right? But no real relationship. They're not taking steps of faith, Right? They're into being comfortable in their relationship with the Lord. And really, this is what Jesus is highlighting here. Okay, so you know, as you keep reading here, right, about just this uh, sense of being okay, lukewarmness. You know? I want to take a look at, um, at this word lukewarmness before we get in our text. Okay, notice it says, so then, verse 16, because you are lukewarm. You know, this word lukewarm, it's an interesting word to, to, to study. Uh, when you look it up in the concordance. Get back to my notes here. This word lukewarm, the literal word is, it means to be uh, tepid, warm. Metaphorically speaking, it's of the condition of the soul, wretchedly fluctuating between lethargy and the fervor of love. I want you to note that it's of love. See, so oftentimes we look at this word lukewarm and we, we think of a lukewarmness in terms of what? how they minister or their faith. But it's really, the, the root of it is a lukewarmness in their love. Isn't that interesting? Let me read this again. This word lukewarm. It's kletos in the Greek. It means to be tepid, warm, metaphorically speaking of the condition of the soul, wretchedly fluctuating between lethargy and the fervor of love. So it's going back and forth. One day, right? Lethargic. No love. Another day, fervently in love. They're going back and forth. This is what the word lukewarm means. Now, it's interesting, right? It has to do with love. And you know what's interesting, too? Notice in verse 19, it says, As many as I love, I rebuke. You know this word love here, it's not agape. You know what it is? It's the word phileo. I don't know if that surprises you. Now, why would Jesus say, as many as I phileo, I rebuke? Why doesn't he say agape? Well, I believe it has to do with this whole thing, this being lukewarm. It's being lukewarm in your love. You know, we talked about this previously, and there was kind of some debate and disagreement, but you know, I'm still going to hold to what I feel. You know, if you don't phileo, I'm not sure you're agape. Because if you agape, you will phileo. Agape is that unconditional love. Right? People will say, well, I agape you, but you know what? I'm not going to hang out with you because I don't have to fileo you. Now, I don't know how you separate the two. But I think when the Spirit of the Lord comes in you and you really start to agape, you begin to phileo. And this is the experience. This is the experience that I've experienced. You know, oftentimes, right, I come into fellowship and there will be people that, I'm naturally joined to and people I'm not, I'm naturally not. And I think this fellowship is a great example. We have everybody from different walks of life, right? Different social strata, right? Different ethnicity, but you know, even though it's not a perfect fellowship, not a perfect, everybody loves each other. Now, sometimes people, right? Don't relate to each other that well, but there's a love. And you know, I I'm just gonna give you this example, right? And so, uh, my brother uh, Steve Stephenson. You know, I see him every week here, you know, on, on Sunday nights, and and we talk and stuff like that. Steve Stephenson, in the natural man, apart from this fellowship, be somebody that I probably would never know. Now I might meet him, but we wouldn't fellowship. But I got to tell you, you know, uh, I think Steve is one of the longest attenders here at Calvary Chapel Oracle Park, almost 20 years. I by fellowshipping with Steve, right, and loving Steve and him loving me, right, in agape, I believe, you know, the phileo has grown even stronger. Because when you agape, you take that step of faith, you will phileo. And I, I sense that with everybody in this fellowship. I'm not sure any of us in our natural man would be hanging out with each other. But because of the agape love, there's that phileo love. Now, where am I going with this? Well, Notice it says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chase and therefore be zealous. This word zealous, right? It literally means to burn with zeal. You see, when you phileo somebody, right? You burn with zeal, right? It's not just agape. And I think the lukewarmness comes when we don't burn with zeal. You know, when you burn with zeal for your love for somebody, you're not lukewarm. Think of the marriage relationship, right? If you were to become lukewarm, you're not burning with zeal. You're not burning with love for your spouse, right? But as you burn with love for your spouse, right, you're going to take steps of faith. You're not going to be lukewarm. You're You're neither hot, right, or cold when you're lukewarm. But when you burn with zeal for them, right, you become hot. And I believe that a lot has to do with this phileo love, your brotherly love. And so it says, as many as I love. He doesn't use the word agape. He uses the word phileo. This is Jesus. Do you know Jesus loves you as a brother? Brotherly love? Not just agape. But he loves you, what? With the brotherly love. He has a zeal for you. With brotherly love. And so I want to draw this to your attention. Perhaps, right? The reason why they're lukewarm is that they've lost their zeal for the Lord. It's the phileo not just the agape, that excitement, right, to serve the Lord. And so we see what this word lukewarm means, right? It means basically they're going back and forth. They're wretched because one day they're lethargic, right, toward their love for the Lord, and the next day they have a fervor for it, and they become become lukewarm. Okay, so let's start to look at the parts, the verses one by one as we uh get further into our text. Okay, so it says, and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. Notice it says, of the Laodiceans. Now, I want to draw this to your attention too, and this is something that I picked up by a commentator named size and it's interesting insight. He says, the name Laodicean means rule of the people. Laity is of the people, right? When it says Laodicea, it means rule of the people. Remember we studied the word Nicolaitans. Remember the church in Ephesus? They didn't tolerate The Nicolaitans, their doctrine. But remember the watered-down church, Pergamum? They tolerated it. Remember we looked at the word Nicolaitans, right? Nicol means rule, and Laetans is a reference to the people, to rule over the people. Well, Laodicea has a similar meaning. The, The name of the city, Laodicea, means to rule over the people. Isn't that interesting? And perhaps there's a connection, Sy says, with how this church was. He writes this, he says, this church well represents a church run by majority rule instead of God. Run by the people. Majority rule. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if you were in a church and says, hey, let's vote on it. Just like we voted on the election. And we voted President Biden in. How would you like that? Let's vote on it. Whoever wins. Well, that's kind of how this was. According to Seiss, it was ruled by the people because they were sufficient, right? They were wealthy. They were educated. They thought they were religious. They're carrying on Bibles. But they had no relation. They had no real fervor love for the God, for the Lord, right? But it's ruled by the people. So he writes The church well represents the church run by majority rule instead of God. Its name designates it as the church of mob rule, the democratic church in which everything is swayed and decided by popular opinion, clamor, and voting. This is reflected, he writes, in Jesus' address to the church, the church of the Laodiceans. For other churches, it was the church of Ephesus, or the church in Smyrna, or the church in Sardis. But here, it is the church of the Laodiceans, the church of the people. Isn't that interesting? Kind of an interesting observation, her. And it does match, right, the context as we looked at how the city was very wealthy. They thought they didn't need any help. They can do it all their own. It wasn't the church of God. It was the church of us because we can do things. We can decide on our own. And, you know, I think that's a mark of lukewarmness too. As we lack in our love for the Lord, that fervor love, the phileo love. We're not burning Right? On fire for the Lord, what's going to happen? We're going to start to what? Do things our own way. And especially when we have the resources and the wealth. Right? And so it becomes a church of the people. Dictated by the people, not a church of God. Which one do you want to be? That's a good question, huh? Most of us would say, I want to be the faithful church, right? But how many of us are lukewarm? One day we have a fervor for the Lord, the other day we have a kind of a lukewarmness. Well, maybe I'll get to that tomorrow, Lord. Right. I got to just tell you, you know, really spoke to me last week the open doors and the shut doors. When the Lord opens a door, and as you're praying, you know the Lord has opened the door, take that step of faith, even though that door is going to introduce you to things that are going to stretch you, because that's really where the, the, the treasure is. The treasure is the doors that the Lord opens and it's treasure not just in the physical more so in the spiritual but you know oftentimes what follows the spiritual is the physical oftentimes now this is not why you do it but as the Lord kind of molds and shapes you and blesses you with spiritual treasure oftentimes they'll bless you physically as well
1: Thanks again for joining us on our podcast of Calvary Chapel Echo Park. We hope and pray that you have been blessed by the teaching and join us again as we continue to study the Word of God. Once again, you can always visit us on our homepage at ccechopark.com for more information and teachings from Pastor David. To God be the glory.